we're joined by Dan Chiappa, the Chief Product Officer at Arctic Wolf. Dan has been a technology leader for many years at organizations including Sophos, RSA Security, where I also work, Microsoft. Uh, this episode will be a little bit different than our typical CISO interview. Arctic Wolf is a technology company that provides valuable cyber services to the industry. So as I say on this podcast, for people looking for jobs, there are many different ways to get into this industry. It's not just working for companies providing, uh, actually working for them, protecting organizations. You can work for companies like ThreadX or Arctic Wolf and have a great career. So, so Dan, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. So I know this is a silly question, but many of our listeners, um, many people in the industry obviously know a lot about Arc Wolf because you guys are lighting the world on fire. And I'm looking forward to, to hearing your perspective on, on the industry and kind of where things are going. But for, for those that might not be familiar with, with Arctic Wolf, because many of our listeners are new to cybersecurity and learning about it, uh, can you tell us a little bit about a little bit about Arctic Wolf and a little bit about your role there? Sure. So, so I'm the chief product officer at at Arctic Wolf. So I'm responsible for basically all the technology that we deliver. And then what we do is we think we we do something a little bit unique in the in this space, which is why I think we're having such such good success. Is is we deliver what we we call the security operations cloud. So we're trying to do to security what Workday did to HR and Salesforce did to CRM and the like. And that is, you know, we look at security intelligence is really the combination of artificial intelligence and human intelligence. And that human intelligence piece is kind of the last mile of security. So if you think about uh, very sophisticated companies with what they do with security, they typically have what's called a security operations center. This is where a lot of security analysts are, are managing and leveraging all the different security products they may have in the ecosystem, but they're providing their, their own security expertise to observe what's happening and be able to couple you know, things together to realize if there's a, a specific issue to deal with. And so what we do is we do that on behalf of companies who don't have the means, budget, skills, or whatever to have their own security operations center. And we do a lot of it through really advanced AI, but we also do some of it through, you know, just security practitioners and their expertise that only a human being can bring to that. So it's a combination of those two that really deliver that security intelligence. So we do about 320 billion observations a day across all of the different sensors we have. Uh, we have a bunch of AI models that actually drive detections, not only from each individual sensor, but cross-sensor observations as well. And then based upon whatever we detect, we provide it to a, a different uh, tier of a, of a security operator practitioner to investigate. And then on behalf of the customer, the final thing that we do that's very unique is we have what we call the concierge delivery model. So our customer actually has a point interface that gets kind of a, provides a white glove treatment. So when we do have a ticket that comes out of an issue, that concierge will deliver that ticket. It'll have all the information that the customer needs to know about that ticket. And if they need anything from the concierge, the concierge is there to help them. And they also help in the front end, you know, setting up the good security hygiene, making sure that they have a security journey that puts in the best position to be as safe as they possibly can. And then we're there, you know, to monitor things on an ongoing basis. That's fantastic. And uh, I, for those that aren't familiar with Arctic Wolf, unbelievable reputation that the company's built uh, 
uh, over. Uh, how, how long have you guys been around now? You guys been around 10 for years. We just had yeah, our 10 year anniversary a little while yeah, ago. Fantastic. And uh, so well-funded and uh, doing really well. So for all of our listeners that are that are looking to get into join a great well-funded company, I, I, I'll put a plug in for you guys. Uh, big fan of the company. I know you started your career as a developer. Did you intentionally move over to security side of the house or kind of how did how did that all kind of work out for you? Yeah, so interesting journey. Yeah, so I started off as a developer um, uh, working on Oracle technologies, then working for Oracle, doing some really exciting stuff around at the time was interactive television. Hmm. And uh, it was, you know, as an engineer, it was kind of candy land because Larry Ellison sold this grand vision of interactive television, but there was no technology behind <laughs> it. So we had to build it all. <laughs> and uh, it was it was quite an amazing vision, frankly, and it was a lot of fun to work on. But this little pesky thing called the Internet started getting traction and interactive television kind of went by the wayside. And uh, I, I had since then moved into a, another kind of database company in Formix as an architect. But I, I really made a point to then jump back and forth from technology to business. So while at uh, Informix, I spent a lot of time with the corp dev team as we were executing some growth plans around some of the strategic stuff I did on the technical side. And along the way, I met uh, an entrepreneur who's doing a startup and I joined as a biz dev strategy person and had a lot of fun doing that. Uh, we sold that company and then I did my own startup as the CEO and founder that happened right around the dot-com bust. And so that was uh, both exciting and terrifying at the same time. And then right as that, you know, that was kind of working its its way through, I, I got a call from, from Microsoft uh, to come join Microsoft. And they initially wanted me to, to join in the digital media area because that's what my startup did. And I just was not interested. Uh, I was done with digital media. And they're like, you knew enough oh, about it to know you didn't want to do it any longer. Exactly. Right? <laughs> so they're like, how about, uh, you know, cybersecurity? And I said, that's that's really, really another, you know, super deep, interesting spot for me. So I initially joined running what they called the identity services team and then uh, eventually moved over to run the Windows security organization. And, uh, you know, I've been in cyber ever since. And I, I absolutely love it. I think it's the best industry there is because, you know, you don't just compete with other vendors, you compete with the bad guys. And yeah. there's a great joy in knowing that you're protecting people's, you know, livelihoods. And, and it's a technology area that you're never done. You can never put your feet up on the desk and go, you know, we've solved all the problems for today because, you know, each day brings a new problem. That's absolutely the fact. And uh, we talk about it quite a bit on the podcast of why we I mentioned this before. But my my kids always hate it when they when they introduce me to a, a new young person, because I'm like, what are you doing for your career? Do you want to get into cybersecurity? Like, hey, you know, like we we need more people. And it is it's a, a very dynamic use the database analogy, right, because you were in it in the early days. Uh, of a, a mass consolidation. I was at work for a big storage company and we saw a mass consolidation. And and right now, depending on who you ask, there are three to 5,000 companies like ThreadX and Arctic Wolf out there that are also opportunities for people looking to break into cyber uh, to join the fight. And it has everything to do with the, the adversary keeps changing the formula. And uh, we as uh, technology providers have to think about new ways to, to protect. Uh, so it is an ever dynamic changing environment. If you're a person who loves to innovate, you're a person who loves to solve problems, if you're a person who loves to deconstruct things, I mean, there's no better industry than this one. And it's just, yeah. uh, I joke that, you know, one of the things that I always find fascinating with the medical industry is you always have to keep relearning everything, right? Because there's the 
things change. And that's how we are in this industry. You know, you just always are relearning new technologies, new approaches, new defense mechanisms. And it's just really, really exciting. And I agree with you. I, I've spent a lot of time working, particularly with universities, to help build their cyber programs. So I, I work yeah. with the University of Central Florida as the right. chairman of Dean's advisory board and really trying to inject cyber into their programs. They've had tremendous success collegiately and a lot of cyber championships and and just building out their cyber program. So I'm really proud of that. But it's, you know, selfishly, it's helping, you know, bring more people into the industry and talented, you know, young people into the industry. So it works out great. Yeah. And I think I do something similar and I I want to be more active with Northeastern where I went because I think that the opportunity to just expose people, I've, I've also tried to initiate some stuff at another local uh, college uh, in town to try to help them, like just give people exposure to it. Like I didn't know the industry existed. I I'd, I was like you uh, 10 years into my career uh, before anybody even exposed me to it. And uh, it is such an interesting place. And I think the universities are catching on to it, but sometimes uh, are laggers for no other reason than just uh, inability to get the talent to be the instructors. So so we as uh, as leaders need to step in and, and try to help uh, facilitate those types of things. So that, that's really uh, glad to see you're, you're giving back to the industry and, and to your uh, alma mater. So I saw a recent interview where you talked about article finding cybersecurity talent in non-traditional geographies and non-traditional backgrounds. Uh, can you talk a little bit about those initiatives? Yeah, I mean, I think if you, you know, like you've been in the tech industry for a long time, you know, when I first joined the tech industry, everything was really kind of Silicon Valley based and, mm-hmm. and Boston based. Those were really right. kind of the few hubs at the time. And it was becoming more and more Silicon Valley. Like it was like a black hole, just like sucking in all the talent, all the startups, all the companies. And I think that those days are over. I think, well, Silicon Valley is still a tremendous talent pool and there's yeah. a lot of tremendous companies there. And I don't think that'll ever change. But it's it's no longer like the the black hole sucking all the talent in. I, I think Boston's had a huge resurgence in startups, particularly in cyber. Yes. Uh, but you see places like Austin and and Northern Virginia and you know Minneapolis and Seattle and like Texas and Florida and like all it's just growing everywhere. And and you know the one I guess if there is a good thing that came out of the pandemic is you know, we've learned now that we can work effectively remote. Right. And what that right. does yeah. from a recruiting perspective, particularly in a market like ours where it's hard to recruit, is it just opens the aperture up now. You don't have, you know, small ponds to fish in, or in some cases, big lakes to fish in. You can just fish anywhere. You can get the talent wherever you want. And then I ideally, we all would still rather have people, you know, in the office, you know, collaborating and, and stuff like that. But if there's a unique talent somewhere, you know, that you don't have an office, you you now can go after that unique talent. And the flip side is that unique talent can live where they want to live and, and you know, have a good work-life balance in that regard. Uh, but we've also found we recruit a lot in the military. So getting mm-hmm. veterans that come out, particularly those who've had cyber experience while they're in the military are tremendous assets to the company, uh, very disciplined, obviously, work collaboratively very well. And, 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 you know, those who come out of the cyber area is extraordinarily well-trained. But we've also found people, you know, who have cyber, like, you know, for example, that the, uh, I mentioned UCF's won a lot of uh, Cleveland cyber uh, competitions. Their group uh, hack at UCF is, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of students. And like a big number of them aren't even in engineering or computer science. They're art students or music students. They're just really drawn to this business. And, you know, I notice more and more 
you know, I'm doing Zooms and people are at home, they have guitars on their wall or their piano that like, it, uh, for some reason, musicians, you know, are really drawn to cybersecurity. And so, you know, as you mentioned, we're not going to find a world of, you know, perfectly trained cyber folks. Just finding people have the right kind of personalities and right knacks and right stuff that we can train and we can grow and we can bring yeah. them in the right roles and expand them is kind of what we're focused on as well. And, uh, you know, for us, we really think of the pack, you know, uh, the wolf pack is part of how we operate. And so bringing new people into the pack and letting the pack nurture them and grow them and build them into a, a productive member of the pack is something we're proud of. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I, I like the analogy and I, and I think about it is it's twofold, right? It's one, we as leaders in cybersecurity need to be much more open to a diverse population and understanding that everybody's not a purple unicorn of 10 years of experience in exactly the, the type of finite, uh, detailed type of spec that we're looking for. We have to look for the characteristics of that person, understand that we can train them on many of those other types of things. And then equally, uh, you've got to hand the responsibility to the candidates. Tenacity. You can't stress it enough. Like It's a crowded, busy environment for everybody. If you want to get in, you can get in, but it's up to your own tenacious nature of creating those opportunities, especially when you don't have let's say, uh, even a bachelor's degree, or, or you, this is just your first job in cyber, you got to come after, you got to cast your net wide, you've got to work your network. I think you'd be amazed at how, how quickly you are connected with somebody in cyber because the industry is so large, but you've got to drive hard to find that first opportunity, but they're out here. They're definitely out there. Um, so it's two, twofold, right? We, we own the responsibility and the candidates own the responsibility of, of making things happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Control your own destiny. For sure. For sure. Well, finally, for our listeners uh, who are early in their career, and we've, we've talked about a lot uh, so far. Can you share a couple of things uh, or maybe particular skills or mindset or experiences that have really contributed to the fantastic career you've had? Yeah, I think I mentioned a little earlier, the ability to go from a technical role to a more business centric role back to a technical role back to, you know, for me, you know, having uh, good business acumen always made me a better technologist and having a deep technology backgrounds always made me a better business person. And I think that's a really valuable balance to have in your life. And so if you have an opportunity, you know, if you're following a technical path, in cyber to do something on on the sales side or the marketing side or product marketing or just get some experience outside of the raw technology base even if it's just a mentor or somebody you can you can you yeah. know kind of learn from yeah. that's going to really help you as is understanding the needs of your customer understanding why certain business metrics drive you know technology decisions and then the flip side if you're coming up through a sales or a marketing function or something in cyber and you you love that space you know, spend time understanding the technology at a deeper level because it helps you become a better business person. So I made that a big point of my career to just make sure I'm I'm well balanced between this two, the two. And I think it's really served me well. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's fantastic guidance. And I, again, another one of those things that we hear for the listeners that are thinking about becoming executives, uh, whether for a provider or for an organization, Understanding the technology and then being able to put it into business terms uh, is, you know, key to success. A lot of the CISOs have shared that as the exact experience. So I think that's well said, Dan. Well, uh, we'll just plug Arctic Wolf uh, one more time. I'll plug it because uh, I am a big fan of the organization. We'll share 
the careers page uh, when we send out the podcast. But uh, fantastic company. Sounds like a great uh, Wolfpack mentality where you can come in and be a part of a, a great team that's growing and doing really well. So, Dan, thank you for being a guest on the, our podcast and congratulations to you and to all the people at Arctic Wolf on all the success you guys are having. Fantastic. Thanks for having me.